Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. What the hell is going on? <laughs> What is going on in the NFL and in sports with these athletes in the uh, anti-Semitic stuff? I don't, I don't get it. So a couple of days ago, you know this already. Deshaun Jackson, the football player, said uh, on Instagram, he quoted a, tr- uh, a quote. He posted a uh, quote he attributed to Hitler that said, "White Jews quote will blackmail America. They w- will extort America. Their plan for world domination won't work if the Negroes know who they are." Okay, so that's something that he thought apparently was something that Hitler had said, <clears throat> which uh, seems like an unwise thing to post to me. That's fine. He also put something out there about from uh, from Farrakhan, who's a known Semite, obviously. So now. So now Steven Jackson from the NFL it seems to be seems to be um defending the Deshaun Jackson, no relation, I don't think, saying that it, that he was speaking his truth or something, or speaking the truth of social posts. Defending Jackson he said the receiver is speaking the truth with the social media post, including an anti Semitic message. So that's a little odd, and I don't know what's going on here. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, so then, you've got uh, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp goes on. On he's on. Um, what is Shannon Sharp? Anyway, he's on ESPN or one of those things or whatever. And so he goes to talk about the Stephen Jackson thing, who stepped in it. Shannon Sharp, former NFL guy, and now he explains that situation. Because we ask black people to disavow a lot of people. You remember when President Obama was running for office? He had to disavow Reverend Wright. He has to yes. disavow. Whites never have to disavow. No, I agree. And they stand I, I, in lockstep and barrel. Jerry Jones, Mr. Kraft, stand lockstep and barrel with Donald Trump, and nobody has asked them to disavow them. But when it comes to black people, mm-hmm. and we know what President Trump has said, I agree. we know what he's done, mm-hmm. but nobody's asked. He stands up there, good people on both sides. That is apocryphal, of course. That's not what he said, or if you think that he said those words, the context was about statues and people who were for preserving statues versus people against the statues. But, you know, this is what the media does, fine. Uh, it, this guy, um, Shannon Sharp, just eats it all up, whatever, and doesn't bother to fact check it. But, you know... Confirmation bias is a, is a, an attractive thing this, these days. Well, let me go back to Shannon Sharp. But the moment they black. Now, Skip, where is I guy? Because you know in situations when whites say something bad in the NFL, they get Tony Jungie. Mr. Tony, he'll clean up everything. Where is I guy? Tony. Where is the person that we have if a black slips mm-hmm. up that's in the Jewish community mm-hmm. that can come to our defense? Mm. Like they send Tony Jungie out there to go to everybody else's defense. Mm. I'm not excusing. 
As I told D-Jack, he D-A. He was dead ass wrong for what he said. Okay. And what he, no, what not what he said, what he tweeted. Because it's basically like he's saying, because if you retweet something from your, uh, from yours, it's you saying it. You're co-signing yep. it. I said, come on, D-Jack. You got to be better. You got to be smarter than this. I said, because there's a lot of people that don't believe in the movement. They're trying to sabotage the movement. Don't you sabotage it from within. Mm. Uh, okay. So I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean whatsoever. I don't get it. I don't know what Shannon Sharp's issue was. D-Jack, who's Deshaun Jackson, was quoting Adolf Hitler in an Instagram post about the Jews. Who's going to clean that up exactly? Farrakhan? What guy? I can't st- I cannot I can't stand the, this nonsense. This is too much This is too much crazy bleep at once. And there's no more talking. You don't have to say anything. Once you tweet Instagram Hitler and rave, rant about the Jews, you've got it. Tony Morrison said, when they show you who you are, believe them. So that's just fine. I can't stand it. What is this? Why are you? Why would they be devoting segments to trying to cover this up? Where's our guy? They sent Tony Jun- Junji out. I don't know. I know that, I know that uh, Drew Brees dared to respect veterans a few weeks ago, and he took a beating, had to multi- apologize multiple times. His wife said they were getting death threats. Where is it? This makes no freaking sense. If we're going to be crazy, just try to stay within the, the, the bounds of uh, some kind of parameter uh, arena of argument here. I can't. I cannot freaking... Uh, Breathe, Tom. Breathe, Tom. Here we go. Happy. Happy. Everything's happy. Okay. So, uh, there's been so much sports meets politics happening in the last few weeks and months, etc., that I've brought in my old friends to talk about this stuff. John Sapachetti. Sap. You'll hear him. He's the guy. He He's on the phone in this, uh, in this conversation. Because he's got uh, essentially a um, StarTac phone that he uses. And John Serenitas will also join. These are two great guys. We're going to talk sports, politics, a little bit of everything. And um, I'm just going to try to breathe. Everything will be fine, Tom. Everything will be fine. All right, here we are. I decided I would call this the commissioners. And I don't really know why, because none of us have any real rank worth anything. But it is, uh, I am thrilled to be talking to a couple of old young friends. John Serenitas, who is, uh, you can catch him on Twitter, at UFTBJ. Uh, John, that's correct? He, UFTBJ. Okay, UFTBJ. <laughs> and uh, New England Football Journal is the website. John Sapachetti, at JohnSap25. He is co-host of SAP and of the SAP and Cat Show at Full Press Coverage. Oh, man. How you guys doing? I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm barely employed, and now we're commissioners. That's that's good. Well, I like that. <laughs> everything is nominal these days, Sap. I've got to tell you that. So let's start. Uh, let's start with the cultural uh, revolution, um, iconoclastic revolution, and social unraveling of 2020, um, and where it collides with sports. If folks don't know you guys, you guys are sports guys as well as great thinkers, as you would say, Sap, men, men of letters. So we can yes. uh, SAP is my uh, my three letters. SAP exactly. So uh, yes. let's start with um, the NBA. Here is making in the new world is um, signaling to the world that they are sufficiently woke, and we're going to have Black Lives Matter written on the court for um, for the remainder if there's going to be a season in uh, Orlando mm-hmm. and Florida, whatever wherever it is. First of all. Do you think this is a positive step? I'll go to you first, Sap. Is this a positive step? And the second of all, is it possible there could be fallout for something like this? Yeah, I mean, I'm all supportive of all of this stuff, but I'm supportive of, of either side. Now, if, say, there's a in, in the NBA, the players are also going to wear phrases on the back of their jerseys, you know, all lives matter, I can't breathe. They may have a shout-out to George Floyd with his name on the back of their uniform. That's all well and good, but what happens if there's someone in the NBA that is a Trump supporter and wants to put MAGA on the back of, back of his shirt, which I doubt is going to happen in the NBA. But there's got to be at some point some Donald Trump supporter in the NBA. I mean, there's only going to be 300 players 
in Orlando. One of them, you would think, is a, a Trump well, supporter. If, I'm sure if Bill Lambert was still playing, he'd be the Trump if, supporter. If but, Trump's- you know, if one of them wants to put Mag on the back, is he going to be ostracized, thrown out of the league? You know, so that's a slippery slope. I'm, I'm a supporter of what the players are doing. But, you know, look, if someone has a discerning voice, are they going to just be thrown out of the league? The cancel culture is going to hit that player or executive or whoever. Well, as, isn't that what we've seen here, Sarnitas, that, that the NBA is willing to be bullied by one side? You know, they're willing to be bullied by the Chinese and Black Lives Matter so far. I don't think if the right. United Church of Christ, uh, you know, has any power if somebody wants to put, uh, you know, a Bible passage on their uh, jersey. Well, I, I think Sap makes a great point because I think you're going to have that one, two, three, four, five players that, that may have different views. And if they do, how much freedom of speech are you really giving these players? How much latitude do they have to express themselves? You know, you look at the Hong Kong situation, Tom, you mentioned that. You know, the NBA got a lot of flack for that, and rightfully so. Daryl Morey got thrown under the bus by both Adam Silver and and some of the owners and some of the commissioners because of his comments in regards to China's treatment of Hong Kong. What if you have a player in the league that says, you know what, I don't like what happened with the way the league handled that situation. I'm going to express my concerns about what's going on in Hong Kong right now and how their 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 government is being crushed by the Chinese. What if a player decides to express those views? What do you do then if you're the NBA, if a player either decides to do that or support Trump? It's a slippery slope. And when we talk about this corporate activism, that's the problem you're going to run into. Eventually, not everyone's going to buy in. And when, though, when that handful of players decides not to buy in, what do you do in that situation if you're Adam Silver? What do you do in that situation of the owners? It'll be interesting to see what happens if indeed one of these players or a handful of these players decide to deviate from the so-called script of what they're expected to put on the back of their jerseys. Right. And and there are, go ahead, sir. Oh, go ahead, Shattuck. Uh, well, they, there are owners in the NBA that support Trump. Uh, Fertitta, who's the owner of the Houston Rockets, is a Republican. He supports Donald Trump, as his right is to support whoever he wants. Um, you know, I, I would think the NBA can get away with this more than other leagues because it is perceived as the most woke league they're all on the same page for the most part they have a very progressive commissioner who listens to players the players uh, have incredible amount of flexibility and mobility within the league actually nba players only sign four and five year contracts because they're so confident in themselves that they can go elsewhere and make more money you know you don't see the long contracts like you see in baseball or the recent contract that patrick mahomes signed so um yeah and, and i'm a huge lebron james fan it's only taken us seven minutes into this podcast for me and saranitas to, um, you know, bring that up or me to bring it up. But I, I was, I, no, but I was disappointed with him when he didn't speak out against China's treatment of Hong Kong. I really did because he's usually the one player in the league that, you know, tends to be on the right side when it comes to these things. And he was silent because he makes a lot of money from China. The league makes a ton of money from China. And it was like, we're not going to touch them. And, and I give Daryl Morey a ton of credit back in the fall when he talked about the mistreatment of Hong Kong by the Chinese government. I give him a ton yeah, but Sap, it's and, not and, just the mistreatment point, of the Chinese government. Like he was going to lose his job. Sap, it's not which, just the know, Chinese. It's not just Hong Kong. In China, there are Jim Crow laws. You know, right? For black oh, absolutely. People. Yeah. I mean, there is blatant racism in China itself, and so absolutely. I don't know. I don't know how you can call a LeBron somebody who's not a complete and total hypocrite because. I, no, I agree with that, Shattuck. On that one point, I was very disappointed in LeBron. I think that would have been an opportunity. He's got enough money, you know, and, and just say, look, with the treatment of, of what, chi- what China does. I mean, China to me is the most dastardly nation in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and for some reason, we can't ever say that because we owe them a lot of money. It's like having the rich uncle that you owe a lot of money who does crazy things and, you know, as a, as a child molester and you can't call him out on it because you owe him money. Jesus, uh, you, I got dark quick, Got What's dark that? very quick, Sep. Had to go right to child molester. Yeah, I know. Well, I thought we were going to talk about Don Fitzpatrick, too, so I figured we could lump we're, him we're into the conversation. We're going to get there. So the NFL now is going to um, – they're doing their own thing. I guess they're going to have something – are they playing the black national anthem? Is that is there a new national anthem that, that was, that's been commissioned? Yeah, they've talked about that, yeah. And then they'll have a white national anthem. Good old segregation yeah. is back in the yeah, exactly in, right in pro sports. Jesus, what the hell are they thinking? Well, they're only right. talking about doing it week one, I believe. Though, correct? It's not yep. going to be the whole season. Yep. 
Yeah. No, just week one, Serenitas. You're right. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a slippery slope, too, because now, you know, I'm Italian-American. Can we play the Italian national anthem while I'm there? And then what happens in <laughs> hockey where, you know, 70% of the league's Canadian, and, and unless the game's in Canada, they don't play the Canadian national anthem. That's a whole other issue as well. Yeah, I mean, just play America the Beautiful. That seems to be a song we can all get behind and, and is benign enough that, you know, we're not going to set off fireworks from one side or another. So, yeah, I mean, the, the NFL tends to be the league that, you know, especially with its commissioner, Roger Goodell, who, you know, puts his finger in his mouth, sticks the finger up in the air and sees which way the wind is blowing. Uh, of course, he makes $45 million a year, so I wouldn't want to rock the boat too much myself. So, well, uh, you know, similarly, though, they have uh, they have kowtowed to the movement in, in several areas mm-hmm. in an ancillary organization called the Pro Football Hall of Fame has just announced that it has inducted Colin Kaepernick as in uh, in the class of 2020. Is this a joke or is this from the onion? Please tell me this is a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a joke, right? Yeah, I'm speculating, uh, guys. I, I oh, may okay. have I may have fudged, gotten over my skis a little bit there, but as you know, I have predicted that this will happen. Colin Kaepernick will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't see how the momentum of this giant movement that has intimidated the hell out of everybody. I don't see how this momentum stops. I think that NFL has already made concessions. And uh, and I don't know how affiliated the Hall of Fame is, but I don't see how Canton could can not do their a solid solid in cement a piece of virtue signaling. I, I think to me, I, I think to me, if he ends up in the Hall of Fame, I think you just discredited the building. You just discredited right. the Hall of Fame because here's the thing. Okay, I get the whole contributor to the game thing. But think about who they've put in in the past as contributors to the game. Most recently, Eddie DeBartolo, who was the owner of the 49ers. They won five Super Bowls. Jerry Jones. It's owners. It's it's general managers. It's people like Gil Brandt who impacted the game. He went in last year. These are the people that had a positive impact of the game. With all due respect to Colin Kaepernick, what positive impact as a non-player, because as a player, he got off to a, a really good start in his career, played really well the first four years of his career, and then through a variety of issues, whether it be injuries and coaching changes and whatnot, the talent around him wasn't as good. He tailed off. Uh, well, he- But to say that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because of his because of his quote-unquote contributions, what the hell has he contributed? Let's be honest here. What has he done other than upset the apple cart? Uh, he, I think if anybody is going to make a case for him to get in, I think it's foolish, and I think it's disingenuous. The only way he should get into the Hall of Fame is if he buys a ticket. <laughs> That's hate words, by the way, sir. He has yeah, uh, ushered yeah. forward a great I, awakening. you got to tone it down, Shattuck. He has... Uh, yes. He has ushered a uh, a great awakening to the uh, the country at large and the NFL that the labor that the you know the labor that has been done by African Americans to enrich in the game has similarly been done by African Americans to enrich in the country and bring us to this area that we are at. He is a, a benchmark, a touchstone for cultural change, and he has he is the man who opened the dam on acknowledging our uh, widespread privilege and the disparities in races in this country. And I can't see any better situation, any better platform than the you know, millions of eyes on the weekly NFL games to do that. You know, in in, in the Reds in Fenway Park and every in every ballpark. Jackie Robinson's number is up there with all the other retired numbers. He broke the color barrier. In a sense, uh, Kaepernick uh, brought, uh, broke the woke barrier. Jeez, I didn't know we were going to do a podcast, Saranitas, with Alex Reamer. What the hell has gotten into Tom Shadow? I'm playing Des- wow. devil's advocate. I'm saying that these are the la- <laughs> this is the language that they will use, and how are you going to counter it when we can't counter anything well, anymore? Okay, here, here's the thing. With I, I spoke with, um, I, I sound like, you know, Stephen A. Smith or Colin Coward or whatever, but I, I did speak with three Hall of Fame voters that I'm friends with, and they all responded quickly, no. One of them did respond that he really doesn't ever want to get into any discussions with Colin Kaepernick because it's a no-win situation, because it really is a no-win situation when you talk Kaepernick. If you are anti-Kaepernick, the left is going to attack you. If you're pro-Kaepernick, the right is going to attack you. It's a no-win situation. As far as him being in the Hall of Fame as a contributor, uh, you know, he, he's done what he's done to make uh, inroads socially. I get that. 
Um, but first of all, as a player, he's not even close to being a Hall of Fame caliber player. And as a contributor, he really hasn't impacted the game on the field or really off the field. I mean, he, he did kneel to the national anthem. Uh, you can make a case if he's been whiteballed from the league. Uh, but as far as like pushing forward his message, I, I never White find him to ball. be That's a new one. I've never heard be that a great one before. Messenger. You like that one? I, I'm I'm woke, Farinitas. I'm woke. <laughs> well, what? But I'm glad you're woke. That, How you long know, was your nap? We we were. <laughs> <laughs> I do take afternoon nap serenades. When you get to my age, you're going to have to. But you made a great point when we were talking about this uh, earlier, John, that uh, you know Malcolm Jenkins is someone who's a, a, a better player than Colin Kaepernick and has done more because he's been able to raise money for these you know social issues. Uh, Kaepernick, I think he almost kind of stumbled into this thing. And again, it's been dormant with Kaepernick until really George Floyd. When that happened, his profile expanded and then to put him in the hall of fame. No, there's a, I want to just relay a quick story. Kurt flood uh, is one of the most important people in the history of baseball. He was a three time all-star two time world series champ, seven time gold glove winner, great defensive center field with St. Louis Cardinals in the fifties and sixties. Now he was traded in 1969 from the Cardinals to the Phillies. He refused to go to Philadelphia. He challenged the reserve clause, went all the way to the Supreme court. He lost. But it was the impetus to bring forth unbridled free agency to Major League Baseball. There's someone who belongs in the Baseball Hall of Fame who had a huge impact on the game itself and on players. He's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Heck, Ralph Hay, who essentially formed the NFL 100 years ago, he's not even in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I I can't see um, Kaepernick getting in there because the Pro Football Hall of Fame is independent from the NFL and they'll just push back and say, no, we're not going to put him in. Roger Goodell, whoever wants to put that message forward, Tom Shattuck, whoever it else may be, it's not going to happen. Only, if it did, I'd be shocked. Only John Sapichetti plays the Ralph Hay card. Yes, Ralph Hay. Hey, so I learned uh, that name today. <laughs> so moving along, Deshaun Jackson, um, he's had uh, recently on Twitter – He's either quoted anti-Semitic remarks from um, from Louis Farrakhan or Hitler or both, um, and has gave kind of a half-hearted um, apology or explanation. I mean, I do not like cancel culture. At the same time, I do like the idea that uh, you know that, that that reprimands are dished out fairly equally. What should happen with this guy? Well, I mean, I, I think to me, look, first of all, <laughs> what, what would possess you to think it's a good idea to reference Adolf Hitler in these times? That, right. That, that, that's the thing that blew me away, first and foremost. And the second thing is, now when you start to look at this and you compare it to what's been going on in our country for the past month plus – Compared to the Drew Brees situation, which I think is the natural comparison, right? Brees comes out mm -hmm. and says, I'm going to stand for the anthem. Here's why. He gets destroyed, right? Everybody and their mother attacks him. Within hours, he issues an apology. And and you know what? Yeah, I think Drew Brees mishandled that situation. Look at the Look at the situation. Look at the world we're living in that moment, Drew. That wasn't the right answer in that moment because you have to show some level of empathy towards your teammates. Now, moving forward, now you look at this situation with Deshaun Jackson. I don't know, is it just me? I kind of feel like the response to this has been completely different. It's as if, mm -hmm. okay, he said it. Some people have come out and spoken out against it. He issued an apology, per se. Now, all of a sudden, you've got other athletes coming out and defending him and saying he's speaking the truth and whatever else. I just think, to me, this speaks to where we're at as a country right now, where it's it's literally you're dodging landmines, right? You don't know yeah. what to say, what's right from wrong. Mm -hmm. Even as an adult, where you think you know what's right from wrong, you really don't. Because in this era of cancel culture, you don't know what to say that's going to offend or piss someone off. So I think it was poor judgment on his part. He should know better. He's smarter than that. He made a mistake. He owned it. Uh, let's see. Time will tell if that's going to be enough for people to forgive him. I mean, you say you made a mistake and you never know where you're going to get hit in cancel culture. I understand that these days. But, I mean, quoting Hitler is a pretty pretty obvious red flag. I don't know the proper. Pretty bad. 
Yeah, I mean, in Berlin in 1942, it was appropriate to quote Hitler. In this situation, I would say uh, that that really shows what a dumbass. But you know what? I, yeah, but, but here's the thing. The I will say this is, real I mean, quick. This is guy... uh, Go ahead, Seth. Well, real quickly, I mean, he's 33 years old. He's been in the league a long time. He went to Cal. He's a pretty bright kid. It's, it's not like he's 22 and just found out about things. He's a, he's a pretty smart guy. The thing with Deshaun Jackson, he's not as relevant as Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a star quarterback, a future Hall of Famer. He's a face of the New Orleans Saints. Deshaun Jackson missed most of last year. Uh, he was fortunate to be playing with the Eagles, got hurt. Uh, the ironic thing about this is his general manager is Jewish, Howie Roseman. And Jeffrey Laurie, his owner, is also Jewish. Right. So I don't know if he's really thinking before he tweeted out or, or whatever he did, if he, he liked the post on Instagram. And the Eagles have an interesting situation because if you remember seven years ago, there was Riley Cooper, white wide receiver, who was using the N-word ending in R, not in A, at, uh, at a concert. Right. And, you know, there was pushback there. And the Eagles did not get rid of Riley Cooper. In fact, they gave him a contract extension, not because he did what he did, but, you know, because uh, Chip Kelly, the coach at the time, thought he was a, a key component on that team. So who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, I, what Saranita said was perfect, especially the part of don't reference Adolf Hitler. Like, there's no benefit to that. And it's funny because the Eagles, of course, were the subject of uh, Rush Limbaugh's monologue on Monday Night Football, which uh, right. on the, on the um, NFL trying to pander or become. Um, more of uh, bring on more black quarterbacks for political or yep. PC reasons, whatever it got him, uh, got him whacked. But you know, I don't, I don't understand why. Is I, I will say one thing real quick. I, I do want to say one thing. You know, Sap mentioned that Breeze is a much higher profile player, and while I agree with that, I, I still think it's a sign of the times. I mean, if you take this climate that we're in mm-hmm. right now out of the equation, I think if Deshaun Jackson does this under normal circumstances, where we're not living in this world of COVID or or we're not on the brink of a potential civil war in this country. I think that the response is different. I think that Jackson probably faces more of a backlash. I think there's more of a vitriol there if the climate mm-hmm. were different. I think he will, to a degree, benefit from where we're at right now socially. But with Breeze, you know, I don't understand. I heard people say it's tone deaf, et cetera. When is a bad time to thank your grandparents for fighting in the war that saved America, <laughs> that provided this bounty? Right. Everybody, including Deshaun Jackson, including Colin Kaepernick, that everybody in this country, this country is enjoying the fruits of now. When is it inappropriate to do that? Well, I, I just think because the kneeling issue became a racial divide back in 2017, you know, it, it pretty much did become that. And it, it got the message got lost at times and it became black, white, you know, you had it, and why feed into it? it? The guy was simply being selfless. He was just simply, you know, honoring somebody else, a third party who had saved right. the world. But, but he also, he also was not looking down at his teammates, but he, he just says, I can't understand why they would deal in a situation. And it's a different uh, background than he would have with some of those players. And, and let's not forget there were, a lot of African-Americans that also fought in World War II, and they didn't benefit from the fruits of that war. When they came back, they couldn't get GI bills. They weren't necessarily treated uh, equally. So, I mean, there was a lot going on there. And and look, I'm for say whatever the hell you want to say, but there's sometimes there's going to be backlash to that. And you just have to be prepared for it. I mean, his apology just went to the point where it was overboard. You know, well, it, he, was, he was acting well, like he was. Breezes was. I agree. Oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah, it came to the point where that- it's like, he, I, he, I thought he was going to say, "Look, I just, I, I'm a horrible human being, and well, I don't deserve to play in the league anymore." I mean, it went over the top, an and I, I do think what, what's happening with COVID and there's no sports being played. We all do this for a living, and there's nothing to talk about. So every time something happens, we just have to delve into it for five hours on radio or podcasting or writing about it because there's no games. We're all bored stiff as sports fans, and and now you know uh, a post from Deshaun Jackson. If this happened in, in, you know, the middle of the Major League Baseball season with pennant races and NBA drafts and getting ready for NFL camps, it, it would still get some traction, but not as much as it does now because there's, there's nothing to talk about. Well, I mean, we spent last week talking about Cam Newton's wardrobe. Well, Sap, you, you, you say that, that, that blacks had nothing, didn't enjoy the bounty of the, the 
victory in World War II, I would say that is incorrect. I think a country, a world run by Japanese and fascist Nazis, uh, starring Deshaun Jackson's buddy, would not have been good for African Americans. Right, wouldn't have been good for anybody. You're right. Right, absolutely. Yep. I just think that the stuff is. Uh, I, I think it's ridiculous that we are, you can't do two things at once anymore. More, we all have to be right, right in tone with what's going on. Or else yep. it's in a, it just closes the Overton window horribly. Like in my old town, I, I used to live in Melrose. Melrose is one of those towns trying to be woke, et cetera, et cetera. So everybody's, everybody in town got together. They got in the middle of the town a couple of weeks ago, and all, all the middle class, upper middle class white people took a knee and did the Black Power thing. And they don't know why they did it, but right. they felt good about it. And I posted it about it on Facebook. And so now. And they may not know a black person. Of course, and if you were the unfortunate black person who lives in town and you know 30 people, you got 30 phone calls by pandering right. guilty white people clumsily trying to show you how down they are. But um, but it's something that happened, there was a sign, this is just yesterday, there was a, you know, follow go to the speed limit sign, you know, one of the things that has mm-hmm. the words on it. Go, to, You know, make sure you're going the speed limit. Driving the speed limit saves all lives was posted and of course that right. became a big problem oh boy yep yep so the the yep. mayor then apologized for it and the cops had to change it and there was all over the facebook pages now people want heads to roll and it's it's essentially yep. a hate crime so this movement whatever it was has now stolen words and phrases they now belong right. to them so if you've got a kid in ninth grade and he writes all lives matter or anything matters or whatever that kid could be hauled down to the, the assistant principal, you know, for an interrogation and possibly re-education. So I, right. I, I think we got a problem here, and this is moving off of support, more to culture, more to culture here. Setting up these symbolic, arbitrary new rules. This is dangerous stuff. And Serenitas, you're a, a, a history buff. This is how bad regimes happen. Well, I tell people all the time, and I've said this well before the George Floyd, George Floyd's death, that we are heading down a path where we are becoming revolutionary France. In many ways right now, we are living through the reign of terror minus the, the guillotine and the beheadings. I mean, if you look at 1794 in France, you if you walk down the street and refer to someone as Madame or Monsieur, you could get turned in and executed. You were supposed to refer to them as citizen. That that there was a push by Jacques René Hébert and his supporters, the Hébertists, to dechristianize, get rid of Catholicism in France. At one point, they did. Robespierre actually made up the goddess of reason because he believed people needed something. <laughs> they needed divinity in their lives, and they needed someone to worship. Um, you, the free press was abolished in essence, and it was controlled by the Jacobins. So when you compare the French Revolution, particularly 1794 Reign of Terror, to what we're living in right now, there's a lot of similarities. You know, it's interesting, Tom Cotton, the Republican senator from Arkansas, mentioned this in a speech before the Senate about a month ago. He referenced this, and it made me feel good because every time I talk about it, I feel like people are like, what the hell is he talking about? Because Mm -hmm. most people don't even remember the French Revolution from when they learned it in high school. But there's a lot of similarities there, and this is why it's so important. And people are going to have different positions on taking down statues and erasing history. Me as a history guy, as a history teacher, my position's always been the same. Leave history alone. Leave the statues alone. If we don't want to make their mistakes— then we need to learn from what they did so that we don't repeat it. Yeah, but John, here's the thing. How many, uh, you know, critical theory uh, majors of race or gender or whatever are being taught that the French Revolution was a bad thing? If anything, it was the writing of the class system that had oppressed so many. You know, uh, let them eat cake and all that. Well, it depends on how you I mean, I will say this. It is professionalism. And so I think it's important that you teach it that way. But I also think it's important that that your students understand that this radical element got out of control to the point that by July of 1794, members of the convention finally realized, you know what? Robespierre's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We got to take this dude out if we want to end this revolution and, and and if we want the beheadings to end. So you know, I think at some point it's going to take somebody saying, all right, enough with the cancel culture, enough with, with, with trying to ruin people's lives. Why don't we figure out a way to come together to fix the problems that, that, are, that are issues in our society today? 
And we know it's been years that comedians do not want to perform on college campuses, whether it's Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Maher, who, you know, are three of my favorite comedians or pontificators or whatever you want to call them. Uh, Bill Maher, his show, um, Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO is, is must-see TV because, you know, he's always painted as this liberal guy, but he is so anti-cancel culture. Uh, you know, he, he is a pro-First Amendment to the end. And, and he just thinks that, you know, that the far left is losing it when they continue to silence anyone that disagrees with them. I, I've said this a million times. I have more friends that I disagree with than I agree with. I love the discussion. That's what makes it fun. I don't get offended if we disagree. Um, now we're at the point where people just want to hang out with people who are like minded. And that's dangerous. I think that's incredibly dangerous. And, you know, as Saranita just said, if we come together to fix these problems, it'll work out a lot better. I mean, I, I remember when we were on Herald Radio, guys, and, and I think we probably played it the one of the last shows we did together. You remember the, the bit in Seinfeld when he was dating uh, Native American girl Winona? And every time he <laughs> yeah. tried to say something to her, he was going to offend her, you know, because he got reservations at the <laughs> restaurant and so forth. And he had to just catch himself from saying it. And it was, that took place in the 90s. It was it was important to talk about it then. Now we are 25 years later. It's even more important because mm -hmm. you can't even talk to each other without offending them. Am I, I going to get offended if someone says something to me? No, I, I, I can't. Because first of all, we, you know, we don't walk through our lives with scripts. You know, a lot of the stuff we say comes off the cuff. Most of it comes off the cuff. And you got to cut people a little bit of slack here. Those days are over, though, Sap. Now words are violence. Yeah. If you say something that somebody right. finds offensive, then they consider that violence. And you can get a brick in the head by some skinny right. kid from Wellesley now. And this is this stuff has to stop. And I don't know what – I don't know exactly when this started. I guess it probably started with this – I don't know when it started because I, I, I'm Generation X. I guess you are, Serenitas and Sap. Maybe you're on the cusp of that Gen, Gen X too. Um, but um, and we were. Idiots. I'm a baby boomer. I'm old. Are you okay? So uh, yeah, the end of the baby boomer. The trouble, of course, because they raised the Gen Xers. You know, after. Oh, of course, I didn't raise anybody. Don't blame me. I barely raised myself. Well, it's, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that is that these kids now. More and more, fewer of them of, of twenty year olds will say fewer of them have any wanderlust. Few of them, fewer of them than ever have driver's licenses, um, and uh, you know get out in the world. A lot of them still live at home and have no desire to not live at home. There's no, they have no outlet to live life other than to make pretend, and so mm -hmm. that's what they're doing here. They're living these melodramatic lives, largely it's infused from academia. And they're not going out and doing anything. And they're freaking soft. A, a, a comedian who's now turned into a Nazi, uh, Owen Benjamin, said that uh, he said about millennials that they're indoor cats. And and I agree. Sap, we both had to deal with these personalities of like millennial, zillennial, right in between there. And how you have to, you can't give them construction criticism unless you say something nice too. Remember you taught me that? Right. Oh, yeah. It's called the, um, what is a... Uh... Some Something banana sandwich yeah, we always or use food a, a, to remember things. I forget what it's called. I, it's something where you start the discussion with a compliment, then you give the criticism and then you end it with a compliment. So the first thing and the last thing people realize are the compliments, but the criticism is in the middle. I have a, a, a compliment sandwich, banana sandwich. I sound like Elvis. Uh, yeah, I was like, sandwich. What's the correlation? Yeah. I, <laughs> well, we're getting close. We're getting close to dinner time, guys. You know, I'm ready to gnaw on my feet. But um, I, no, think, I think Tom. Sandwich, I think it was yeah. known as. I think it was known as a, a veal parm compliment. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. That sounds. Now that sounds good. I, I can get on board with that. Hey, I'm rusty, guys. I mean, I'm you know, I just write columns pretty much now. I don't do as much radio as I used to. I I got a breakthrough here. All right. No, Tom. Tom makes a great point though. That in that I I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that that times like these give people causes to to rally around and get behind. It gives them a purpose, and we've seen this throughout history. It doesn't matter when you talk about whatever period you talk about in history. We have seen people that may not have had anything in their lives that motivated them or, or gave them mm -hmm. a purpose, but then when stuff like this happens and, and they start to join organizations and they get involved sure. uh, it, civically or, or they get involved in a mob, it gives them a purpose. And yep, now exactly. all of a sudden they go, and we've seen plenty of people where this has happened in history, where they've gone from being a nobody 
to their, they become a somebody because they did something and they're in the history book. So I think that's a big part of this is that's why I think you're seeing so many people getting involved in a lot of this is because they really don't have a direction and this points them in a direction. And I, yeah, and there's no camaraderie either because we our, our background sports, right? So you see when you get kids in the 10th grade, 11th grade, they're playing sports, they feel like they're part of something, right? Uh, if that outlet isn't there, that's why I think it's so important. Education is so vital in this country and, and getting back to school and, and getting that camaraderie back and playing sports is so important. And of course, Sarah Nidis is a you know, football coach. Um, in addition to being a history, you know, expert, that's important because they feel like they're part of something, right, John? I mean, you see that with, with kids that maybe don't come from the best homes uh, maybe they come from a single parent household but they're they're excelling at sports and that that really improves their self-worth uh if you're doing something like that you you can parlay that into a lot of success mm-hmm. in life but like you said if you're on the fringes and you say well this seems like a pretty interesting thing to join whether it's you know white supremacist group on the right or you whatever know, on the yeah. left it, it's not good you know it's funny sep you say that because if had you mentioned white supremacist group on the right 40 years ago i would have said this that simply not happened and it's not out there. Right. It is on the rise, man. I don't know if you guys yeah. are oh, yeah. familiar with Nick Fuentes and the Groypers and that. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, the, the 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 leftist communist fascists and the uh, the little sproutlet neo Nazis, zillennials. Yep. It is something that is happening. It's more in vogue, and it is not a good thing, man. Because there are some powerful personalities that are very influential yep. to young people and they're out there and it's something that we're going to have to look out for. Um, do you think, uh, first of all, are the Redskins going to change their name? Are the Indians gone? Are the Braves gone? Is it all- I think they're both gone. I think that those two teams are gone and then it'll be the Braves and I think, and then it'll be the Chiefs. Hey, Notre Dame's coming under fire now because of the fighting Irish. Right. So it could be a, it could be as many as 10 teams that could be changing nicknames here in the next six months to a year. Yeah. What about the Celtics? I mean, that, that's going to be offensive, right, to somebody. Well, you know, a they, leprechaun. Well, here's the thing is that in, in these classes about intersectionality, if you're a white male uh, Irishman, then you don't get too many intersectional points. So you don't really right. get to claim victimhood. You certainly could if you look back at the potato famine and, and that and that stuff. Uh, but it's also just not in the it's, – it's, it's, not, it's not been part culturally of, of Irish – of the Irish community, I feel. You know, they mm-hmm. – Irish can make a point about Paddy Wagon being, you know, a slur, but I don't know too many who are actually offended. And I certainly... I don't know any. Right, yeah. Irish, Italian, and Greeks so far seem to... Well, first of all, Italians and Greeks think they're the best anyway, so they're not... not Which is true. (laughs) Right. uh, Yes. But... uh, We think we're culturally superior. There's no doubt about that. Well, but... And I think... We do too. Well, the food is very good in both cases, so as far as I'm concerned, that's... It uh, is, but we can't manage a budget. We suck at managing money, so that that hurts our credibility. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have to borrow heavily. (laughs) <laughs> Italians aren't very good at that either. So I'm up here at the Pentucket Sachems. You know, I, I grew up in Winchester, the Winchester Sachems, uh, near Saugus. Mm-hmm. The Saugus Sachems may stay, actually. But I assume that those other Sachems, all those high school teams uh, are yeah. a complete redo. I, I think oh, Redskins yeah. has to I think Redskins has to go. That is a racial slur that, that's, is it though? Uh, you know, over the top. Yeah, I really do. I mean, it's, 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 it is. I think it's a racial slur. I mean, Indians... Look, I, I like the Cleveland Indians. I, I'm rooting for them to win the World Series because they've gone the longest without winning it. I love Terry Francona. And I, the logo was a bit much, you know, Chief Wahoo. I'm uh, wearing that hat I, right now, Sam. I know. It's, it's a, a, no, it's a, it's a great hat. Look, I, I it takes a lot to offend me, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm not Native American. So I, I don't know. You know, I'm sure if you are, you, you get offended by that. But uh, if Daniel Snyder's smart, he can make a lot of money off of this and, and call them the Washington – Red Tails. They talked about that. The Tuskegee Airmen who fought in World War II. Name it after yeah, the Tuskegee not, Airmen, the Red Tails. So you can make a lot of money off of that selling merchandise. You if, can't have if, a if white. The case. You can't have a white owner appropriating the name of a black squadron. Or uh, no way. That would last about ten minutes. And once yeah, it's well, there's, shown, there's, you know, there's no there's no black owners in the NFL, so I don't think right. that's going to ever happen. Then so yeah, you um, could, you could call it whatever. The, the benign the benign nickname would be the Washington Senators, right? I mean, there's the Capitals, there's the Washington Generals that never won a basketball game, and then you get the Washington Nationals. So yeah, we have the Washington Senators, which was a baseball team 50 years ago that that ended up 
um, moving to Texas and became the Rangers. Yeah, just right. call them the Washington Senators, and that could probably fly without offending anyone. I would hope, although the, you know, I will uh, say this: the popularity. My, my of the issue. Is so low. My only issue. My only issue with this whole thing is, and I said, and I said this in a Facebook post, is that at this point, change them. It, it's been a debate yeah. for a long time, yeah. both with the Indians and the Redskins. Change them, but. If people took the energy that they're putting into these nicknames into actually helping Native Americans in this country, we might actually see a benefit to the Native American population in our country. These are people that have amongst the highest unemployment rates in the country. Mm -hmm. The public education on reservations and even in communities around reservations is awful. And then on top of that, they have amongst the highest suicide Mm -hmm. rates. And alcoholism, too. Right, exactly. So all of this investing... Right, exactly. All of this time that people are investing and pushing Daniel Snyder and pushing the Cleveland Indians and the Atlanta Braves and all this stuff, why don't we invest that time and conversation in helping Mm -hmm. the Native Americans that are in our country today so that they can have a better life, so that they can actually feel like they're a part of this country instead of us worrying about what we're going to call the Washington Redskins. That's my issue. Just change the nickname to move on so we can actually invest in Native Americans and help them realize the American dream too. No, no, John Cernitas, yeah. that is wrong because this is not about pragmatism, pragmatism. This is about symbolism. And this is about somebody in Newburyport <laughs> in Wellesley being able to show what a good person they are on Facebook. Silly me. Yes, yeah, so show what a good person they are on Facebook. And let's change the Sachem's mascot. This isn't about actually doing anything at all. Somebody mentioned to me the other day, and I thought it was very <laughs> ingenious because it's never about the oppressed people, really. This is about no. upper middle class white people having a hobby. Feeling good about themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So somebody said to me the other day, and I thought this was brilliant. What if they went on Facebook? Let's say their team is the Sachems. What if, what if they went on Facebook and said, I want the Sachems mascot taken away because Sachems were murderous Indians who murdered white people? What if mm-hmm. somebody did it that? It could happen. Well, could well, happen. Well, then you'd have the size, side switch. Because, right. right. Yeah. Then no, exactly. Would say, then it would, you'd would have say, a no, completely no, 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 no. different are actually very peaceful and good people, and there is a peaceful symbol that must be preserved. And then you'd have the other side saying, no, no, we want them taken down because they're murderous. Just in my right. the illustration, it's just not about it's not about the Indians themselves. We're just toying here. And so, no, and, and no. The, and the, the other thing is, I've always said, the other thing I've always said too is, okay, so you look at the town of Walpole. They dropped the rebels. They're no longer the rebels. Okay, what's changed in our society since woke Walpole decided not to be the rebels anymore? Nothing. Yeah. These changing these nicknames ultimately isn't going to solve the social issues in our country. And I think we should be wasting we should be investing less time in nicknames and investing more time in actually solving the problems that are ailing our country right now. Right. This is like the house. This is like the house is on fire and the fire department shows up and they're debating which fire hydrant to use as the house burns. You know, it's like we're, we're arguing things on the periphery rather than trying to solve the problems. I mean, you know, if, if I'm drowning and someone who's a right wing person offers me, you know, uh, a vest, a life preserver or someone on the left, it doesn't matter who's offering me the help. I'm taking it, whether I agree, yeah, exactly. or disagree with them politically. That's that's the situation we're in. Yeah. I mean, to, to debate over things that really you, you know who. who a lot of the people that are Native Americans, they're going to be offended by that. But they just, like you said, Sarah, they want help. You know, they they want better mm-hmm. education. They want better infrastructure. Um, you know, they want better jobs. That's more important than, you know, feeling that they're offended by a nickname. And again, Redskins to me is a little bit different. I think that that should change. But uh, yeah, that's that's the most important thing. I mean, if, if you had a derogatory nickname based on Italians, you know, whatever the case may be, I wouldn't be offended by it. But again, I'm, I'm I'm generally never offended, but if I was, but others, mine. others would be right. Like the Sopranos to me is the greatest TV show ever. And I had some Italian American friends that were turned off by it. I said, first of all, you know, take yourself less seriously. It's a TV show and it's great. Watch it. It's, it's, it's not derogatory against Italians. The guy lives in a beautiful house. He's smart. He runs a business, albeit illegally. Um, but so the case is, you know, you have to kind of you know, parse through a lot of this because people are just way too judgmental and, 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 and seem to be in a situation where they're offended by everything. And that to me is, is dangerous. Well, isn't there, a, isn't there a lesson to be said in telling kids to suck it up? 
just suck it up. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I mean, you, if you want to get ready for real life, then again, maybe they never yeah. have to get ready for real life. They've taken over the editorial board of the New York Times. Maybe these maybe these little woke young people now will just change all the businesses so that they'll never have to go through any of this. I mean, if you write calligraphy, if you write graffiti right now on the Black Lives Matter graffiti in L.A., it's a hate crime. Right. So if yep. you can, if, if there's enough thought police out there that actually do pr- persecute you, if, if you say any of the things that aren't approved by the modern uh, progressive culture, then, then you know, then everything works out, right? Didn't it work out in 1984? Well, Isn't that how it works? Yeah, well, we, we're in a situation now where, you know, to me, the editorial board, um, if you wrote an op-ed piece or someone wrote an op-ed piece, I could read it and disagree with it 100%, but it should still be in print, right? I mean, and, and that's the way I look at it. Look at, I mean, look at the, who's the editorial editor at uh, the, one of the Philadelphia newspapers that got fired because they put up uh, an op-ed piece or it was on the front page of the paper. I'm, I'm losing my, you know, uh, facts maybe. But she got fired because, you know, the, the, the headline was buildings matter too right. as they were being destroyed. And like that's, you know, she's not insensitive to what the movement is, but she's making another point that you can have two thoughts in your head at the same time. And that, that's what we've kind of lost in this country where you can't have two thoughts in your head at the same time. You, you have to pick a side and just go full force on it and be damned whether you're right or wrong. Right. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, if you're in the middle in this country, forget it. You, you, right. You're in trouble because you're not supporting one side or the other. So therefore, you're a part of the problem. You're the enemy. And I think that's what's wrong with our country right now, guys. I don't think that that people are taking a measured approach to this stuff. Hey, how about civil discourse? Right. We, we, we're supposed to be teaching our young people to use civil discourse right. to listen to each other, to solve each other's problems. Yet adults in this country aren't doing that right now. And I think that's the problem here. We should be preaching independent thinking. We should be preaching civil discourse because ultimately that's how we're going to solve the problems that we're dealing with right now. We're not going to solve them by running into our respective corners mm-hmm. and hurling insults at each other and, and, and hurting each other's feelings. It's just not going to happen. And unfortunately, Tom, you mentioned this earlier. When is this going to end? When is this this cancel culture world that we're living in, when's this going to stop finally? Is it something where it's going to take a period of time or is it something that's just going to abruptly end one day? Right. Well, you had mentioned Robespierre. I assume it's something that's got to cannibalize itself to end. And you're yeah. seeing that a little bit with this uh, this uh, this big um, uh, letter that was written yesterday. I can't remember. A whole bunch of people signed this letter saying we need to stop cancel culture. I think Noam Chomsky was on it and a bunch of other folks. And uh, and now they're being targeted by woke culturists right. eating progressives, and some of them are going after each other now because they don't want to be affiliated with disparate uh, opinions and in ideologies. And so maybe that's how it happens. Maybe this it's, it's a huge battle royale, and then everybody in it it just vanquishes each other, and we can uh, you know start anew. Well, there is there there is a great quote in history, Tom, and I'm glad you mentioned it. But revolutions devour their own children, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. just. And that's literally, I think, what it's going to take. You look at the New York Times now and the Washington Post, they're the equivalent to L'Ami de Popla, which was the, the revolutionary paper in France, the friend of the people. And so I think it's the same thing now, that they're an arm of these various movements. And again, hey, listen, we live in the United States of America. I'm all for peaceful protests. I'm all for people expressing themselves and their concerns. I'm appalled by what I see going on, too. I I don't blame African-Americans for feeling the way they feel because the the African-American community in this country has been mistreated from day one. No one's going to argue that. But we're not also the worst country in the world to live in. And I think the problems that we do have socially and ethnically can be fixed if we're willing to listen to each other and come together. And I think that's the missing piece right now. I think too much is expected of one side to listen to the other and vice versa. And people aren't Mm -hmm. just, people just need to stop talking and listen and then talk one at a time instead of just, as I mentioned earlier, hurling insults at each other. I agree. And that's why I think that, uh, that Sap was right, that, that 
the, the Bill Mars show is such an important show. It's one of the very few yeah. shows where people say dangerous things, things that can be hurtful, exactly. and have these discussions. And discussions can be uncomfortable. Our history is uncomfortable. All sorts of things are uncomfortable. But th that's what discussion is. And people now assume everything has to be just padded and in, in, in made uh, cotton soft so nobody gets hurt in anything. And it's, no, 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 this doesn't work. Now, before I let you guys go, John Sapachetti and John Serenitas, um, tell me, John Sapachetti, what happens in November, the election? I think in November that if Joe Biden is upright, he's going to be our next president. <laughs> um, I think obviously we're going to have to see what his choice of running mate is, although for the most part, it, it doesn't really impact the election all that much. Um, I do think if the economy starts to head in the right direction, and if the pandemic is not as pronounced as it is today and the president decides to send everybody 1200 bucks in October, that that could be like a October surprise and a last gasp for President Trump. I, I think in the end, Biden's going to win. And, and I've said this for about a year now. I think that I don't really know anyone who didn't vote for Trump in 2016 that's going to vote for him in 2020. I do know some people who voted for him in 2016 who aren't going to vote for him in 2020. And his margin of victory was so narrow in 2016. He's going to need everybody to vote for him that voted for him in 2016 and expand the base. I can't see it happening. But again, Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee, not exactly a great candidate. So I think in the end, Biden wins, but it, it, it's going to be close. And, and my biggest fear is if it's that close, good luck uh, getting President Trump out of the White House on January 20th. 2021 that, that could be uh maybe the most uh incredible thing in the history of this country why would he suddenly be an authoritarian when he's he's a golf <laughs> he's a golf guy he doesn't actually do anything authoritarian he likes authoritarians there's no doubt about that but uh i i don't i don't if he loses he's going okay and he's gonna say the whole thing was bs and trump tv starts right on day one sure and oh yeah and they're yeah. never gonna he'll be at oann will change to trump and then he's never gonna shut up serenitas prediction uh, I agree with Sap. I think Biden's going to win. But there's a couple of things, though, that if I'm a Trump supporter, give me some hope. One, Biden's state of mind. I mean, th th this is concerning. And, and I think the VP, VP pick in this case is hugely important because I'm not look, I'm not a doctor and I don't want to sit here and prognosticate that he won't finish the one term he's going to serve. But there are health concerns here. So I think his VP pick is extremely important because they may. They may ascend to the, to the presidency at some point in the next four years, mm -hmm. assuming he does win. I think the thing with Trump is it amazes me that Trump is not actually campaigning right now. What is he doing? Why aren't you <laughs> campaigning to win a second term? And, and I right. get it. I know a lot of people have said, well, he can't hang his hat on the economy anymore because of the virus and whatnot. Sure he can, because up until March, the economy was doing great. Uh, African-American unemployment was at, uh, at the lowest that it's ever been. He's done some good things with criminal justice reform. Uh, he's done some good things in terms of national security, foreign policy. He's done some good things that unfortunately you're not going to hear about because he's the second coming of Adolf Hitler. But the reality is he's not campaigning right now. And if he thinks, and I, this is where I agree with you wholeheartedly, Sap, if he thinks he's going to win this election on the strength of his base and or others coming to him like they did mm -hmm. in 2016, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Happen. He needs more than the base. He needs more reform. And he's going to need some Democrats that, that might be wishy-washy on Biden saying, I don't know if this guy's going to make it four years to maybe consider voting for him. I don't see it happening. I think it's going to be close again, but I think Biden wins. God, the VP it. choice, I think, is incredibly important. Like you said, Saranitas, it normally isn't. But in this case, it can be because if he picks the right person, he's going to have to get the progressives out to vote for him, the Bernie supporters who didn't necessarily support Hillary Clinton uh, to the degree that she needed to be supported back in 2016. Uh, the far left gets pissed off about everything. So, I mean, you can't select AOC. She's not old enough. Um, you know, it, it, is Elizabeth Warren going to be kind of the compromise choice because the progressives can get on board with her? I, I like Val Demings, who's a congresswoman from Florida. The I progressives agree. I do hate too. Her. They will hate right. her. She was a former police commissioner of Orlando. That's 
that's a non-starter. Kamala Harris. I don't the think they love Kamala like Harris her. either. Yeah. No, they won't because she's a prosecutor. So they're not going to like her either. I mean, so that's the problem with progressive. You can't please them. Uh, and again, other than AOC, I really don't know of any candidate that would, would get them excited. Maybe Elizabeth Warren can be that compromised choice, get enough progressives out to vote, still appease the moderates, and, and away you go. But uh and the problem with Trump is, and I agree with you, Saranitas, up until March, there were a lot of things he could hang his hat on, mm-hmm. but he has a tendency of trampling his own message. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and not having other people talk for him, he gets to the point where he, he's like a successful guy who keeps telling you how successful he is to the point where you go, man, this guy won't shut up. I hope he's not successful anymore. <laughs> and that, that's a bad point to be in. Yeah, and this is this year for sure, I mean, he's just got the bat on his shoulder watching called strike threes just sail over the plate. Man, this guy, right. is, he is not taking advantage of any opportunity. And the people are burning the streets, you know. For God's sakes, yeah. this should be the time that, that he could do it. He just doesn't yep. have the instincts. He can't blow Well, he was, Tom. He was tweeting out law and order. Right, I saw that. Law and order, law and order. And going back to now. <laughs> going back to Bubba Great Wallace show. and Joe Scarborough's intern, who he thinks Scarborough murdered. It's like if right. And right. here's the thing, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Tom. Joe Biden has the gaff of gaffs. Yes, it was his deplorables moment. And instead of Trump mm-hmm. saying, "You know what? I'm going to back off here and say nothing for the next few days." And let him have to let him have to answer to that. No, he comes out and he mentions Joe Scarborough and the intern being under his desk right. and whatnot. It's like he just can't help himself, and I think it's going to cost him. Assuming he even cares about being reelected, right? I am. Yeah. He's got to put his head down and just jobs, 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 and can't just say law and order. They have to do law and order. He has to show if there is, and I believe there is. I'm told there is a soft side to him. He has to show suburban women that that exists. And try to win mm-hmm. back some support, um, but man, he's got an opportunity. Hey, hey, real quick, do you think that he's putting a lot of his eggs in, in in the debate basket? Do you think that's why he hasn't been campaigning as hard as he can because he thinks that he's going to win those three debates, assuming they happen? I don't think he is. I think maybe his campaign is. I don't think he, he's got between now and August to study. I don't think he's going to study one one minute. <laughs> no, no, he's going in there. He hasn't Trump. studied for the last five years. No, he's not you're going right. to start now. He's seventy-four right. years old. You're right. And so, you know, if yeah. if if Biden wins, to me, I mean, it just matters who the VP is. It's not the end of the world to me if Biden wins at all. And if Trump wins, I could deal with that too. But a guy's got to have some vision, or he's got to have a punch list, and. You know, it, we can't always be Chris Farley falling through the table here. We need a couple minutes of we need a couple minutes of peace and quiet and calm and deliberate. Right. Even if there's the headwinds of the media's, Newt Gingrich says, you know, there's these crazy headwinds, hurricane force headwinds always coming at Trump. He's got to stop complaining about it and just tack and get around them because they're never going to end. And the, he's just got to learn to just suck it up. I don't know if he – he's not going to learn to do anything. So who the hell knows? I just hope it's not close. One way or another, if it's Trump or Biden, I hope they're. I hope we know by 8.05 p.m. I don't want to deal with the coronary in this election night. Was that that definitive? Nothing about my election yes. coronary. No, that, that's it. You just you, you just, nailed it, Shattuck. You nailed exactly. You just put the nail in the coffin, Shattuck. It's that over. Feeling in broadcasting. Walk when, off. It's that feeling in broadcasting Drop when you say something and then once you don't hear anything back, you start to panic and get uh, your palms get sweaty and think, "Holy Jesus!" Either I said something horrific, I said something incredibly dumb that they actually can't find words to even address the situation. It's so, such an ambulatory situation. Or, I've or just, I got disconnected. I, or I've wowed them with my brilliance. All right. He is John Serenitas um, on Twitter. At, who is that, the birthday girl? Yes, she is. She's asking me for dinner, thus my I have to run message. Oh, I didn't see that. Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, John Serenitas, New England Football Journal. Follow him on Twitter, at UFTBJ. N N N E F T B J. Now I don't even know my own Twitter, Twitter handle. Sorry. Thanks, Shattuck. It sounds like it's a swear the way he says it, like F U T B G A or something. Yeah. John Sapachetti. <laughs> Listen, let's do this again soon, okay? Don't forget yes. about us. Absolutely. Not John Sapachetti. At John Sap twenty five. He's co-host of the Sap and Cat Show at full press coverage. Fellas, see you later. Bye. Thank you, Shattuck. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.